Hello, everyone, and welcome to Quinn Cummings Gives Bad Advice, the podcast where I, Quinn Cummings, give advice to people I do not know. If you're joining us for the first time, you may be asking yourself, does Quinn really want to give me bad advice? And the answer is no, I do not want to give you bad advice. I want to give you good advice. But I have absolutely no qualification to give you any sort of advice at all. I am not coughing. I am not sneezing. I am not diarrhea. I give advice because it amuses me to do so. So you might be asking yourself, will this advice I'm about to give you be good advice? Well, I think the answer is in the title of the podcast. If you want me to give you bad advice, you can leave a question for me at qcbad.com. It's completely anonymous, and better yet, it's completely free. So I can offer up this advice with a 100% money-back guarantee. Now, let's get started. This first one today comes from qcbad.com. Subject, burnt out. Quinn, I have worked at my current job for eight years. I am very comfortable here, but starting to feel burnt out. The work is easy and the pay is okay. How do you know when it's time to move on from an employer? I think you know it's time when you are subject heading an email burnt out. Now, how to handle it? Everything is currently weird and is going to get weirder. The stock market is acting like it just gave blood on an empty stomach and stood up too quickly. All this to say, maybe not a time to quit. So, how do you use this time while you wait? Can you learn a few new skills to add to your resume? Something you've been meaning to learn but looked onerous, intimidating, or just plain boring? I personally would learn Excel because I think it meets all three of those descriptions. Can you reach out to people in your field, check in with them, see what the market is like? I'd say have coffee with them, but, you know, everything is weird. Is there a way to take on a new task at work? I know, who wants more work, but you're bored and you're burnt out. The stretch of learning something new would ultimately feel better than the taupe-tinted work outlook you have right now. Or offer to mentor someone looking to get into your field. College students are getting sent home in waves to learn at a distance, maybe for the rest of the semester. I bet someone would love to start talking to you, as bored as you are. In fact, I think that's my most immediate suggestion. Be of service in some way. You have the luxury of a safe job which doesn't require too much of you, and the world is more chaotic right now than ever. Take that underutilized brain of yours and help save the world. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, travel insurance may not cover coronavirus claims. Uh, First of all, I want to thank this person because we talked about travel insurance for the couple who might be going to Okinawa, which now at this point might be irrelevant, but I think this is important, so I'm going to read it. Dear Quinn, Trip cancellations and trip interruptions due to known, foreseeable, or expected events, epidemics, or fear of travel are generally not covered. This may vary by state, and other coverage and exclusions may apply. If you do decide to cancel, 
Those who have purchased travel insurance can try to file a claim. However, it is stated in the general exclusions sections of most policies that cancellations due to an epidemic is excluded from coverage. Once a trip is started, then coverage for travel delays and medical care would still be covered. One thing is sure. Insurance companies will do everything they can to not pay a claim. And now you know. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, Constantly Rearranging Furniture. Dear Quinn, what does it mean when I can't stop rearranging the furniture and belongings in my house? I work and clean and rearrange until I'm exhausted, and then a few weeks or a couple of months later, I start it all up over again. How do I stop? Before you stop it, you have to figure out why you started it. What series of events in your life preceded the first big furniture moving? Let me give you an example from my strange little life. When I get stressed or overwhelmed, I become very, very fixated on walking 10,000 steps every day. That's pretty easy to figure out. I can't control anything, but by God, I can control my feet. Moving stuff around was a solution to a feeling you once had, and your brain thought, I feel better. Thank you. When the feelings come up again, you bring out the solution. Of course, my steps don't change the political landscape, and no matter where your couch is, you're still in your life. Ask yourself what this fix is and see where it takes you. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, COVID-19 question. Dear Quinn, all this hand-washing is drying out the skin on my hands. I worry about using a moisturizer on them, as I think the stickiness might attract germs to adhere to them. Is this a damned-if-you-do, damned-if-you-don't issue? As luck would have it, you aren't the only person struggling with this. I will now quote Dr. Stevenson of NYU and Dr. Coe of Stanford Health verbatim. Once you've washed your hands for at least 20 seconds, Stevenson suggests patting them dry rather than rubbing them, which can irritate the skin. You want to pat yourself dry and leave a small amount of dampness and then moisturize to lock in the water. Once your hands are dry, immediately use a hand cream to seal in the moisture. Ideal hand creams should not include irritants, such as retinol or other anti-aging serums, allergens, or fragrances, Stevenson says. Hand soap should also be gentle and fragrance-free. Your hands don't want to use something that's meant to clean pasta sauce off your bowls, she says. Among the many kinds of moisturizers, hand creams are better than body lotion because they are more nourishing, according to Dr. Koh. Lotions, which are primarily water-based, can further dry out skin because the water evaporates, he says. Creams, which are often oil-based, are more effective after washing hands. At night, while you sleep, both doctors recommend putting on a heavier moisturizer and then putting on cotton gloves to help the moisturizer soak in. So there you go. 16 hours a day, clean. 8 hours a day, slimy. Good luck. Dear Quinn, 
I am an eccentric, middle-aged individual who has changed careers some years ago to pursue a path that allows me to express myself in a far less public and pressure-filled way. I tend to spend much of my time using creative names to describe myself and family, while in my free time also endeavoring in self-indulgent, nostalgic ramblings on social media. I find that I am using my, albeit small, platform to sow seeds of discord among a rather enthusiastic and youthful political movement, partly because I am a natural contrarian, and partially because this is the easiest way to engage my snarky humor and uniquely cynical point of view. Is this righteous? Or am I becoming the same bitter, soulless sellout that I feared I would become in my previous career? All your fancy wordsmithing is certainly appreciated, but what you're saying is, I've discovered I really like being a troll. Well, it's good to know things about yourself. Let's assume you're not one of those evil, sociopathic trolls. Let's assume you're just the other kind, the bored troll. Perhaps you might wish to consider being of service to someone or a group of someones in the real world. Because here's the thing. What you're doing is bullshit. No one's mind is being changed, and the level of discourse is not being raised. You're trolling. They're reacting. Eventually, everyone dies. Find another hobby. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, when to say no. I'm 37 years old. Over the years, my parents have demonstrated cruelty towards me. After some months go by, they return and act as if nothing had happened and expect a close relationship. Recently, this has happened again. When do I cut them off entirely? Read up on gaslighting. It's a tool of abusers. You are being abused. Abusers do not change unless given absolutely no other option than to change. So, if you read up on gaslighting and decide, yep, these are my parents, I give you permission to work with a mental health professional or community of some kind and plan your exit. People who are being abused by partners often have money socked away, car keys with a trusted friend, and then they wait for the right moment. Get strong enough to know when it's time to go, and then go. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, where there is smoke. Dear Quinn, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't judge. But I envy. So how is it people have the right to smoke a variety of flammable things on their patios or walks, but I start to get irritated when those aromas waft into my home? I live in a condo community with both neighbors and walkers who smoke. I think moving is a bit traumatic, and a sealed-up house defeats the beauty of living in California. Do you have any thoughts? Oh, yes. As someone with asthma who lives in Southern California, I empathize. It's not easy because your rights are bumping up against their rights, and no, the whole point of living in California is being able to sit outside and send pictures of yourself to your friends in Boston who are miserable. 
Here's my thought. Get a standing fan. Put it behind you inside the condo, facing out, and turn it on low, thereby pushing the smoky air heading towards you back out again. It's not a perfect solution, but it's the only solution I could come up with which did not begin with grab your cast iron pan and chase down the smokers. Although, let's be honest, you don't smoke, they do. You could totally take them. This one comes from qcbad.com. Dear Quinn, what should I do to get a 12-year-old to clean her room and not let food become moldy in the death trap we call her sleeping den, a.k.a. the hermit hole? That's two separate problems. One is aesthetic, one is hygienic. Let's start with the more challenging one. Tell your daughter that the two of you are going to clean her room. This will horrify her as she is feeling the first great stirrings of the longing for space from our family, which keeps us from marrying our cousins. Stand firm, because you need to see where the problem is. Is she a slob and just needs to put her crap away? Or is she a bit of a sentimental hoarder and she doesn't have storage space for all of her crap? Watch Marie Kondo with her and tell her that tiny woman is now her guru. Get her room to a tolerable state and then tell your daughter that going forward, you will remove anything you find on the ground. Then, and this is the hard part, make good on that promise. Grab it, shove it in a trash bag, hide it. Maybe she earns it back, maybe she doesn't. But you aren't micromanaging every day, and her room is not making you depressed and anxious. As for the food, life is hard enough right now. We don't need ants. Every night, she must clear her room of dishes. Now, better yet, establish a new rule. There is a room for food. We call it the kitchen. This one comes from qcbad.com. Subject, COVID-19 sadness. Dear Quinn, my senior spring of college is falling apart because of COVID-19. My anxiety disorder is running rampant, and I'm pretty sure I will never see most of my friends again, especially if graduation is canceled. Advice, please? You're anxious and you're grieving. Both of these are perfectly reasonable responses to a time where the only things we're hearing are, we don't know, and that thing you really like just got canceled. I'm going to assume you are working with a mental health professional to handle the bits which should only be handled by a mental health professional. I will say this. Never and always are two of anxiety's favorite words. We have no idea what shape the next few months are going to take, and your anxiety, sensing a vacuum, is trying to fill it with itself. I'll tell you a secret. I've started using the 12-step language and literature as a way to deal with my anxiety, and i got to be honest, it's helping a bit. So forgive me if the next part of this sounds like a bunch of bumper stickers sewn together. Anxiety is the desire to control things run amok. Your anxiety has decided exactly what the future looks like, and your grief is trying to move into the sad little castle your anxiety built because anxiety sucks eggs 
but at least it's familiar. But the truth is, none of us control anything. Certainly nothing outside our own head. Your job is to feel the grief of having a wonderful time in your life change, which it has been. But it's not over. It's different. How you see your friends will be determined later. Don't write the eulogy for that community yet because you do not know. As for your anxiety, work with your mental health professional, eat well, meditate, and breathe. Oh, and check out the One Down Dog Yoga app. It's free through April 1st because you and I aren't the only anxious, frightened people out there. Okay, I think that's enough bad advice for today. And remember, I can't give you bad advice if you don't ask for it. Your question doesn't have to be profound, complex, or emotionally demanding. It can be about pretty much anything because, let's face it, I am unqualified to offer advice across a wide range of subject matter. And as we all know, sometimes the nuttiest question gets the best bad advice. You can reach me on Twitter, at Quincy. That's Q-U-I-N-N-C-Y at Twitter.com. Or you can post a question to qcbad.com. Just log into letter Q, letter C, B-A-D.com, and there's a question form right there. The question can be any length, but I'm finding they work better if they're shorter. Just a hint. Before I go, I'd like to thank Richard Emmett, who composed my groovy music, and Keith Greenstein, who designed my groovy logo. People have already started asking me how they can get a bad advice fork in a toaster t-shirt or coffee mug, and my answer to them is, hang in there, we are working on it. I also want to thank Phil Rohr and Prime Rib Productions for making it possible for you to hear any of this. Okay, that's enough for now. Keep those questions coming, and I'll see you all next time.